Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science. You're in for a fast-paced, storytelling, action-item-rich leadership growth experience. I hope you make this podcast a habit. I consider it a leadership mentoring tool. Learning together makes us better together, and that is how we change the world around us. Let's get to it. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners, it's Nikki, and today we're doing something a little bit different. My friend, Rosie Ward, who shows up as such an amazing coach in my life, uh, she and I partner together on her show, show up as a leader for a quarterly series around courageous leadership. And I thought it'd be fun to introduce Rosie to you all and to drop this special episode where it's like 15 minutes and I learned so many takeaways, so many reminders, so many new concepts, and that's just what Rosie does. She has a series called Rosie in My Pocket that is so awesome. I suggest that you go check it out. There's always these little nuggets that mean so much, and I am excited to share Rosie with you today. I hope you walk away more of a courageous leader. Rosie, I love these special courageous leadership episodes where I get to ask you questions on my mind in my pursuit of being a courageous leader and share with our listeners as well. Today, we're talking about calling others to greatness. And first up, I'm just curious how this phrase, calling others to greatness, is a real thing for you. That's a great question. And it's the second part of our definition of leadership, because we say that leadership is about maximizing our positive impact on the world by becoming our best fully authentic self and supporting those around us to break past barriers and step into their greatness. So when I think about the calling others to greatness, for me, as much as it can be hard to hear the things about ourselves that we know maybe we could be better at. Over the course of my life, I have been fortunate to have leadership coaches that I've invested in, have colleagues and friends who care enough about me to be real with me and to call me on my crap when I'm playing it small and playing it safe and getting in my own way. And while at the time, maybe to an extent it stings a little bit, I'm so thankful for it because it's someone saw something bigger in me that maybe in that moment I either didn't see or couldn't recognize for myself. And I think we all do that to some extent. And so this idea of calling others to greatness for me just stems from people who've had the care and the strength and have given me the gift of doing that for me. And I see what it's done in my life. So many of us can do that for others in our lives, whether or not we have a formal leadership role. That's so good. And I'm just thinking for this next question to tee it up, Let's take you back to your 25-year-old self, or we can also think like a newer leader. What mindset to that younger, newer leader do you suggest taking in an effort to be wired the right way to be able to really embrace this? I would say it's not even just a younger leader or newer leader because I coach people who've been in a leadership role for decades and they still have this limiting mindset. And the biggest limiting mindset that I see that gets in our way of calling others to greatness is some level of mindset where to some degree we are holding ourselves responsible for someone else's outcomes, for someone else's success. We have this mindset that somehow if they fail, it means I fail and it's just not helpful. And so one of the things that I have been actually coaching a lot of leaders lately about, and I think I did a Rosie in my pocket about this as well, is We have to be really mindful of, at the end of the day, who is ultimately responsible for the outcome? Who is ultimately responsible for the results, the work, et cetera? So if it's our kids, when it comes to their schoolwork, guess what? They're the ones that are ultimately responsible for their schoolwork, their homework, their grades. When it comes to employees, they are ultimately responsible for 
whatever the end work product is, the service. And when someone else is ultimately responsible for the outcome, us trying to somehow save them from themselves or take over when they're struggling or whatever it is where we are taking responsibility for the outcome doesn't help anybody because we're not the ones that ultimately are doing the work. So if I'm responsible for the outcome or I'm responsible for this work or this success, then I need to call myself to greatness or have someone help call me to greatness. We can't do it for them. And that's where I think so many leaders get tripped up in hyper-controlling, micromanaging, take over and like do it for them because they want it to look a certain way. And so they're taking responsibility that way. Or they go the other end of the pendulum where they get into people-pleasing, avoiding conflict, and don't want to have growth feedback conversations because they feel like they have to protect people from their own discomfort or difficult emotions or difficult experiences. And somehow they're a bad person or a bad leader if somebody reacts poorly. So it can go either way. But that's really the biggest thing I see. We have to shift this mindset of who actually owns the outcome. When we're clear about that, then it makes it a little bit easier to start to go, then if I don't own the outcome, how do I instead call someone to greatness who is responsible for this outcome? That's good. One thing I want to say is that this is a constant need to commit to your growth in this. Like it's never like we arrive and we're there. No matter what age you are, we're constantly working on it. And I think the nail you hit on the head, just reflecting on my own life, is the power of having coaches, mentors. You've got to invest in those people around you and those programs around you to be able to just keep that going. Like I said, you just arrive there. So thank you so much for clarifying that. It doesn't matter the age when we're younger. This is a big new concept, but we always work on it. It doesn't matter for people who do have that formal leadership role. It doesn't matter how long they've been a leader. I always say that anyone who thinks they have a degree in leadership or they're even in the C-suite that somehow check the box, I've arrived, I'm done. That is the biggest red flag because we are always growing and evolving as human beings. And I always say just because I lead this stuff, I teach this stuff, I develop people, I'm always working on myself. Like anyone that thinks that they're above development, that's a problem. And that's a mindset not to take. And also, I remember your Rosie My Pocket video. I remember being challenged by the one that you were just sharing around saving people. At the end of the day, we're all adults. Once we're in the workplace, right? Everybody's over 18. You're an adult. This is their own thing to own. You had talked about a number of things there, like stop saving others, stop trying to step in and control or people, please share some other common mistakes that we're making when we're thinking, hey, we're stepping in to call others to greatness but we might be messing that up where it's like we're stepping in and controlling or people pleasing. What other things are coming up? And I think it goes along the lines with controlling, but I think one of the biggest ones is we're calling someone to greatness, but our idea of calling them to greatness is calling them to greatness to do it our way. So it's pushing our way. We think our way is the right way versus maybe there are other ways. There's a certain like standard of expectation, whether it's around service or safety or performance or whatever. But with many of the aspects of our work, there is some leeway of exactly how it looks that still gets the job done and really giving people space to find their own way. Sometimes it's not just I'm going to take over, but it's, no, I'm going to call you to greatness, but it's really, no, I'm trying to control you to be a clone of me and do it exactly the way that I do it, which maybe that's not necessary. That's one of the mistakes. The other one is just not having patience for a learning curve. We think about our primary role as showing up as a leader in our life, whether this is at work or parenting or any place, foster an environment where people can grow and become a better version of themselves. And when we're growing and learning and trying new skills, it's usually not a quick fix. It's usually not 
we're going to fall down. We're going to mess it up. We're going to refine. We're going to mess it up again. We're going to refine some more. And so we also have to have a little bit of patience and level setting of expectations around what is the learning curve or what is the growth curve for somebody. I'm actually coaching a lot of leaders right now that are in the legacy years of their career. And we're trying to shift the mindset of what's the legacy you want to leave behind and that you've added value your whole career by being the expert or being the one to do it or people coming to you. But now you can actually lift up a whole other generation of people and have that be your legacy and also find out that maybe they have a different way of doing it, but invest in people. And so there's just a lot of ways that we can think about how can we give other people that space and autonomy within parameters. And then I will say the other biggest thing that I think gets in people's way is they call people to greatness, but it really comes from a nitpicky standpoint, meaning that they're not connecting with them first. There's been a saying around forever that we have to connect before we correct. Unfortunately, sometimes people weaponize this idea of calling people to greatness. We need to connect and be like, hey, I'm invested in you and I'm invested in your success and I care about you and it's because I care about you that I want to give you some feedback or it's because I care about you that I want to share some thoughts with you that I think might help you get better. If we don't connect with people on a human level and we just jump into correcting, which some people will mistake correcting for calling to greatness, it feels like I'm being shamed. It feels something very different than someone is trying to elevate me. So those are some of the key ones that show up, at least that are coming up over and over in the work that we do. That's good. What's at the foundation of our leadership and who we want to be? There's like the being and the doing, like who we want to be. And I just wrote down, I want to be patience. I want to be grace. I want to be connected. And so leading with that first, who we want to be so that these other things aren't trumping. So what about a scenario or two that we could walk through that brings this to life and just shows us some tactical practices on how we apply this? Got any scenarios in mind? I do. One is a lot of leaders that I've been coaching lately have challenges in various capacities around having growth feedback conversations. I want to be very intentional about why we call it growth feedback, because so often they're like difficult feedback or corrective feedback or negative feedback or constructive criticism. But all of that has a negative tone. And if we think about having a growth mindset, feedback conversations are just an opportunity to grow. Here's one of the common ones that I hear. So I'll be coaching a leader and we're talking about how to call one of their employees to greatness, address performance issues or address an area that maybe isn't disciplinary, but it's like, hey, we need to make some changes for this person to be a better version of themselves and meet expectations. And they do a lot of this. Well, what can we do? They turn a lot of this into we. When you turn it into a we, you're abdicating that person's responsibility for how they're showing up in that conversation. So one of the things is setting an intention again, like my intention is for you to be successful in this role, or I care about you. I care about this relationship. My intention going into this conversation is I want you to know how valued you are and I want you to be successful in this role. And here's the expectations around XYZ or here's the standards around XYZ. So being really clear and saying not in a shaming way, but here's what I've observed with you. And here's the gap that I see. And here's the impact of that gap. I know this might be hard to hear, but what I'd like to hear from you is in hearing that, what are you seeing and what are you needing to be able to help you close that gap? Because it's putting a whole lot of work now on the leader. So I don't know if that helps, but that's one example of a slight shift in a growth feedback conversation where you're being really clear, but you're also being supportive and you're also opening it up for dialogue. 
And the power of words, just to remind us, like what you had said something about negative feedback, let alone how we're framing we versus putting that ownership on the other person. I always say it's good to find out if it's a good time for someone because they might not be in a space they can receive feedback or have a feedback conversation. But even to say, hey, are you open to some feedback that I think might help you grow versus, hey, are you open to feedback that's going to like make you feel like crap? Are you open to some constructive criticism? The open to some feedback I think might help you grow. Someone actually cares enough about me to take the time out to give me feedback that might help me grow. And the other thing, I was talking to a leader earlier today. This leader has a lot of concern about sounding stupid and fumbling and bumbling and just avoids having these feedback conversations. And I'm like, what if you just flat out say, I care about your growth and success. This is really uncomfortable for me and I might fumble and bumble, but please bear with me. And I tell you right now, if someone says that to me, someone's leaning to something hard for them because they care enough about me to want to help me be better, I'm going to listen and I'm going to lean in and I'm probably going to extend some grace. So I think that we underestimate how much being real and being vulnerable will lead into people leaning in rather than perhaps shutting down and judging us. Rosie, it's pretty amazing how every time I have a 15-minute conversation with you and ask you just a couple questions, I have two, three, four pages of notes. So much packed into this. And just also the power of having coaches and mentors, people that are working alongside you to help you be better. Like I shared in the beginning, courageous leadership. I want to be that. This is in pursuit of being a courageous leader and a topic here, 15 minutes of spending time and look what this is doing. It's just the power of us investing in coaching and development. This is why we do these episodes for me to learn and share a few things, but just to spend time learning some key concepts. I love these too. And I'm glad that you find value in them. And this is why we do them. And these are such common human challenges that we face. And we all have areas where we can be more courageous in our leadership. And we can just pick one little nuggets at a time. So that's really the intent of this series is to give little nuggets of what's another area where you can grow in your courageous leadership. So I'm so glad you're finding value in them. We just left the world a little bit better. Now, go do something with it.